Hello, I'm Gotham Paul from New Zealand Blockchain Forums and welcome to episode six of Blockchain Bytes. Today, we are going to be speaking with Stefan Korn, the Chief Product Officer at Callahan Innovation. He's launched and developed numerous um, successful business ventures, uh, many of which are operating in Australia, the US and Europe. He was the CEO of Creative HQ and he has a PhD in neural networks. But enough about me telling you about Stefan, let Stefan <laughs> introduce himself. So over to you, tell us more, Stefan. Thank you, thank you, Gossam, and, and kia ora koutou. Uh, it's, um, uh, first of all, um, thanks for having me. Uh, it's awesome to be here. So uh, as you mentioned, um, you, you've actually summarized my background pretty well. <laughs> I've done, um, uh, I, uh, I sort of come out of the, um, the corporate world where I worked for large organizations like Oracle and Hewlett Packard and um, uh, yeah, sort of came out of the computer science and IT space and then um, moved more into angel investment really. And um, before I was at Creative HQ, I had my own um, incubator and um, sort of ran, ran a few investments through that. But um, uh, at heart, I'm, I'm an angel investor. I, I love the, um, the idea of um, you know, startups, impact organizations, and, and uh, you know, anyone trying to do, trying to create something out of nothing. Uh, and, and the little sort of part uh, I was able to play in, in some of the ventures that, that have come through over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've done that now for 15 years. And, um, you know, interestingly, a couple of years, I made a, de- a couple of years ago, I made a decision to, uh, to sort of shift my investment um, interest much more over to the crypto space. Uh, and so obviously we'll be talking about that today. Um, and I see a lot of parallels between startups and, um, and the crypto space. And maybe we'll, we'll explore some of them in, in, in our chat today. But yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm approaching the entire space from an investment background. You certainly mastered the art of uh, sort of covering and leadership across different types of uh, industries. So. Share some tips. What do you think, particularly in these extremely testing times? What is good leadership? So it's a, it's it's probably one of the most interesting questions, but also one of the toughest questions <laughs> to answer because you um you know what do you say? Um, there's so many so many aspects you could highlight. Um, you know, one of the things that I feel like we have sometimes forgotten a little bit over. Uh, you know, many decades, especially in large organizations and a little bit maybe in government is the idea that, you know, to lead sometimes you have to also do things that are ahead of its time, um, that are potentially unpopular and, um, and you still have to do them. Hmm. And, you know, if we'll look at where we're at in, in New Zealand and, um, you know, following in the, the vision of our um, namesake, um, Sir Paul Callahan. Uh, around, you know, getting off the grass or, you know, all of these things that, that he said about um, how we can use innovation to, um, to, to change, uh, you know, the, or, to, or, to, or to, to just sort of ensure that um, the, the fabulous lifestyle that we, we uh, enjoy in New Zealand, that we can actually protect that and, and potentially, um, you know, make it a little bit more uh, uh, sustainable and also widespread around, you know, all parts of, of society. Um, and so that for me is, is leadership to then challenge some of the way we have done things in the past um, where we sort of said, well, the, the things that have created wealth 
for New Zealand last century are not going to be the same things that are going to create wealth for us this century. And, and so that's, that's tough when you're having conversations with people who have been part of the wealth creation story in the last century. Uh, and that's where that leadership piece comes in, where um, how can we have those conversations in a, in a respectful and in a, um, in, in a beneficial way without polarizing and without alienating parts of society? And I think that's where, for me, the finesse of leadership comes, 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 comes down to is like, how do we sometimes have those difficult conversations um, but still have the conversation and not shy away from it uh, and, and just trying to be nice to everyone. You know, how do we have those tough conversations uh, but still get our point across and also still not lose sight of where we want to go, actually, and, and follow um, the vision that people like um, Sir Paul and many others have laid down for New Zealand um, and, and to kind of follow in their footsteps and go, right, um, how, how do we do this now, uh, especially, you know, in a, in a sort of post-pandemic world or, or in a world where pandemics can happen, you know, all the time. And, and uh, it's interesting, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to you from Germany at the moment, and uh, it's been fascinating over the last few weeks that I've been outside of New Zealand to, to see, um, you know, how the world reacts to all of these challenges and how we in New Zealand are positioned. Uh, and, and a lot of it comes down to the question you asked that different countries have taken different leadership initiatives to deal with this pandemic differently. So, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And I don't know if I, I had a good answer for you, but, um, you know, I think having those difficult conversations and, and doing them in a respectful way for me is, um, is, is, a, is a big part of leadership. And do you also think that these sort of the balance historically, and I hate to say this, but in the last century, leadership was all about the leader. Whereas now in the 21st century, particularly with what's happened in the last sort of two and a half years, three years, leadership is not about the leader. It is about the company. It is about all their colleagues, about the, I mean, I hate using the word employees because it shouldn't be that. Mm. Um, and, you know, everyone talks about engagement, one vision, but usually that's purely about delivering <laughs> one result, which is a bonus for the EMT. So there is a huge shift change happening there, isn't there? Yeah, it's funny. And um, I think the dynamic in, in organization is really interesting when you look at, you know, some organizations choose, you know, uh, ELT, so executive leadership team. Others use, e, you know, um, uh, CMT, central management, or whatever it is. <laughs> All of the, you know, and so the difference between management and leadership. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, in the especially... Uh, in this century where because of social media and opinion polling and, you know, um, uh, fake news also, you know, this, this, this concept of um, a person that everyone looks up to and they're like, wow, you know, what a leader. Um, may, maybe we've left that behind us a little bit and, and maybe that's actually a good thing. I, I do, I do believe in the idea of um, the leadership of, concepts and ideas when, when things get replaced by something that is clearly better yeah. and and um, and then it's a it's a matter of well how do we achieve this as as a community of of um, people whether it's part of an organization part of society or in a team um, how do we you know how do we get together with a few people to realize this and then often it's less about the you know the hero leader that 
you know, um, kind of does it all. And it's more about um, people coming together and everyone contributing. I think that's that's also a more modern form of leadership. Absolutely. And and also the other one that I really, really like is the concept of servant leadership mm. to, to actually, and some, some of us are exposed in positions where we have a lot of positional power by the sheer fact of the jobs that we've got. And I think the trick there is also how can you, um, you know, execute these roles with, um, with humility and with dignity and still provide leadership, but not by, you know, being the guy that everyone looks to and, and, and calls all the shots and makes all the decisions, but by empowering everyone else in the group so that uh, you can actually take a step back and, and the, the, the outcome that we all want happens um, because everyone contributes and makes it happen. Okay. Thank you. Um, at Callahan, how would you best describe who and what Callahan Innovation is and your role there? Mm. I love that question, Gossenberg, because um, <laughs> over the years, um, many of us, but before I joined Callahan and myself included, we all asked that question, what does Callahan actually do, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> but um, look, Callahan is, is um, we're, we're New Zealand's innovation agency. And when it comes down to it, we, we basically do three things. You know, we provide um, private sector organizations with um, R&D funding in form of grants or the R&D tax incentive. Um, we provide upskilling, so a lot of um, education around um, innovation techniques, um, you know, IP management, uh, capital management, things like that. So essentially like a, a little course offering we've got there. And then thirdly, we provide um, uh, companies with access to deep tech science to, uh, largely to do problem solving through R&D. So areas where you've got a real technical stretch and something you want to uh, achieve, and often it's not feasible for companies to have a lot of you know, scientists on board themselves. And so we provide that expertise through our services. So you know, very simple grants, you know, skills, and deep tech expertise. That's what Callahan does. When it comes to my role now, um, we've taken the step into uh, a productized world um, where we think of a lot of the things we provide into the market as a product. And that's, that's quite unique for a government agency. And we're sort of in the middle of making that shift towards that. And so my role is essentially around um, how can we think of the things that we're offering into the market in, in a distinct way, in the same way that um, you might think of something that sits on a supermarket shelf. Mm. And, you know, when you walk into a supermarket, it's always very clear which section you're in and then what's on the shelf. And, uh, you know, you look on the, um, you know, the, 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 the can of tomato soup and you know exactly what's inside. Right? And you also know what makes, you know, a good tomato soup. You want to know about the ingredients, all of that. And so we want to think of what we provide into the market in the same way so that the consumption of what we provide becomes really easy. And anyone who deals with Callahan can always say, that was a really good experience or that was not such a great experience. And we know that because of all of these metrics that we're tracking. Um, and we want to make the consumption itself so easy that literally it's like picking something off the shelf and you know exactly what you're gonna get. And it's going to be you know, convenient, um, fast and reliable. Uh, and it, this, it's and, and repeatable. That's where we want to end up with all of the the um, 
uh, you know, the, the services that, that I mentioned. Uh, and so my job is to make that happen, um, basically. So we're sort of repeating ourselves. That's what happened with Web 1 and then Web 2. And now we're moving <laughs> to Web 3, in a sense. Yeah. I mean, so looking at the digital economy, is New Zealand Aotearoa really ready to embrace the revolution of digital assets, decentralization and blockchain-based trading? Because that's really where the world is going to be going. Yeah, uh, that is, and, and the, the short answer from my perspective is no, we're not. Um, we are, we've got quite a bit to go. And I'm, I'm currently in the process of writing a positioning paper um, that we're going to put out um, later this year to kind of basically take stock of, well, where's the world at with um, digital ledger, uh, distributed ledger, uh, blockchain, um, digital assets, you know, all that stuff. Where are we at? What, what's everyone else doing? Uh, and then where's New Zealand at? And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm writing this paper. Um, I've been writing this paper over the last few weeks. And, you know, currently I'm thinking, wow, we, we've got um, a lot of catching up to do. Um, there's a lot of, you know, to be honest, my, my, my personal opinion is there's a lot of skepticism in New Zealand around digital assets, in particular um, cryptocurrencies, which are, you know, you, you hear the most about um, all of this technology in form of, um, you know, headlines about um, crypto exchanges being hacked or um, people getting ripped off or some other, you know, hack or whatever. And we are leaving a lot of the, uh, the mental headspace around what the, this technology actually means in, in terms of um, addressing some of the challenges that we've seen with uh, Web 1 and Web 2, as you mentioned, and the technologies that have driven that. Um, we're sort of forgetting about that a little bit. We just latch on to the kind of the headline stuff. Um, and, you know, to be honest, there just aren't many people in New Zealand who even know a lot about these technologies. Um, there's, we've, um, we, we look through our grant applications. Um, I, I sit on most of the grants committees at Callaghan Innovation. Um, there are very, very, very few um, DLT blockchain related grants applications. I, I'd, I'd have to scratch or think hard whether there's even been a handful in 2021. You know, so the key indicators that we look at around talent, R&D activity, investment activity, and all of that is just not there in New Zealand. Uh, and so you compare that to other countries, um, and the story is very different. It's a very actively um, researched and pursued space overseas. And so we have that, that that's going to be one of the challenges. Like, we're not going to be able to drive this technology forward if we don't have the interest of the people to go after it. And what, what are the emerging trends? Sorry? What are the emerging trends you think that are really good? So, I mean, there's a lot of, if you look at the application areas for, um, you know, blockchain, there's, um, there, there's now some very established um, use cases and application areas, of course. Um, in the, if you take the primary sector, a lot about you know traceability, trackability, authenticity of products. Um, if you look at um, identity management, there's a, I mean a whole bunch of things where you need to be sure about the person you're interacting with online. Uh, obviously, the financial sector is you know huge in terms of use cases. 
taking out some of the systemic cost that sits in a lot of financial systems um, as a result of the legacy things we're still dealing with. There's a lot of structural inefficiencies around cross-border payments, for example. Um, and then I think one of the more, most interesting areas for me is what we're seeing in the digital space, obviously, with the convergence of the gaming world with the um, NFT world and the crypto world. Yeah. And, and so we've obviously seen companies like Facebook um, rebrand into Meta. Everyone's getting into the metaverse. And that for me is going to be, I don't think people can conceptualize at this moment just how huge that is going to be. Yeah. And I think we will absolutely see a, a time, not, not too many years away, where the total value of um, virtual assets will exceed the total value of physical assets in the world. And I think that's the world we're heading into. And we're, we're, we're seeing very clearly the convergence there of massive gaming platforms that have got hundreds of millions of users every month uh, embracing, you know, all of the, the in-game purchases are going to be done through some form of cryptocurrency, I think. And the, um, the assets that exist in all of these games are going to be represented by some form of NFT so that they become, um, you know, unique and the ownership uh, is, is unique. And in, in, in particular, what's, what's really interesting is that ownership transcends the actual game. So yeah. that um, what, once you've got, um, you know, some sort of, sort of NFT asset inside uh, Roblox or mine, um, Minecraft or whatever, it, uh, it, you know, so you've, you've got that, you, you can take that into another gaming world and then um, still, still own that. And that's, that's, a, that's a huge difference from where we've been with um, assets in the past. So, so for me, that's one of the most interesting spaces and again, if we look around in uh, New Zealand, um, you know, the gaming industry in New Zealand has had a tough time um, always, really, because they've sort of fallen between the cracks. And even from a government perspective, we've always gone like, well, they're not quite screen and, you know, film, which is which has obviously got a good support. But they're also not software companies, just pure software companies. So they kind of fall between the cracks a lot. And so, again, this is like the worst case scenario for New Zealand and how we think about this, that now we are seeing the, the convergence of these technologies and it's sort of coming together in a gaming-like mm. situation, which we, we just don't know how to handle. Um, and that's where I see the biggest challenge for all of us. How do we really um, create an environment where development in that space can thrive and where we, from a government perspective, we can set um, you know, support packages that we can set frameworks for that development to happen and how the private sector can jump in and basically say, right, we'll, we'll take it from here and we'll start competing internationally with everyone else. And, and one, one thing I'd say, Gotham, is, you know, we've, in, in New Zealand, we've, we've talked about this, this sort of the weightless economy for a long time, right? For me, anything related to blockchain um, is the most realistic uh, market to access from New Zealand because even with uh, software, ultimately you still have country sort of distrib distribution problem because you have to be in market. Even software, you still have to sell person to person and, and then it matters 
you know, what the mood is in the market and that you're trying to access. With um, a lot of what I'm seeing in the, um, um, you know, NFT crypto digital asset space, it's essentially global communities that you cannot peg to a particular market. You can't say, oh, well, all the Bitcoin users hang out in the States or in China or in Russia, right? These are global communities. Uh, and often, if you look at the where the exchange, the main exchanges are located geographically, mm. they're all over the world. They're not in a particular spot in a hotspot. And that means for New Zealand companies, truly, um, it's, a, it's a, a level playing field from a market access perspective that we don't have to be in the U.S. to understand the U.S. market to be able to sell software into the U.S. market. We can understand online communities in the same way that everyone else understands online communities by hanging out in those communities. Mm. And our, our physical location is completely irrelevant. For that, and this is, this is quite different to what we've seen previously in the weightless economy, which is why I think this whole move into the metaverse, um, into online communities is, is, is such a huge opportunity for New Zealand. Mm. And, but what, with regards to that, what do you think our strengths are? And are we going to be, re- are we playing to them right now? I know you mentioned that there's a lot of concern that we're not really. I mean, as New Zealanders, we're always really good at, um, you know, coming up with comparatively, you know, straightforward solutions to often complex problems. Um, and there's so many examples of that. Um, so I, again, I think in, in this case, that the, the, there could be so many, uh, application areas or use cases that we we just sort of think of as we're in, in, uh, embracing that space, um, and and you know I, I always back the the innovative ability that comes out of New Zealand. I also think um, New Zealand communities are really strong. We have uh, you know we we have learned. Um, I think better than some other countries that I've been exposed to, to, to kind of um, come together as communities for uh, a common purpose. Um, and whatever that purpose is, right? Whether it's climate change or protecting the Pacific or having a more equitable society, it, it doesn't, you know, doesn't matter where, you know, and we, again, New Zealand's got some very strong history, uh, you know, whether it's anti-nuclear or, or you know, so defining moments in New Zealand history hmm. where um, the, you know, communities have come together to, to pursue a particular um, goal. And, and again, if you look at what's happening in the digital asset space, a lot of it is community-based. And so I think we understand the dynamics of these communities really well. And, and again, as such, it puts us in a really good position to then leverage that for, for things coming together. And then, you know, lastly, I think we're also going to see, if we take COVID restrictions out for a second, but I think we're going to see a lot, a, a much more transient um, workforce. Yeah. And, and again, um, I know there's, there's, a, there's a massively growing community of digital nomads who are traveling the world and, and working wherever, right? And it just so happens that we've just got an, an incredibly beautiful country where a lot of digital nomads actually want to hang out. And so again, if we get a few settings right um, by um, opening up or, or not even opening up, but, but enabling some kind of immigration setting that allows people to hang out in New Zealand and do their work for a while, 
Um, I think, again, we'll be able to, to leverage the natural assets that we've got and combine them with the digital assets that we're creating. And wouldn't that be an awesome kind of way to get the best of both worlds? There's so many different areas that we can really focus on to, to capitalize on this new world that we live in. What more do you think could be done to encourage sort of homegrown innovation and the uptake of new Web3 technologies? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it does come back to, to talent and, and interest. Everything starts with talent, right? So again, coming back to, well, how do we, how do we foster talent or how, how do we attract talent? Um, and some of it is to do with, um, you know, pro providing useful opportunities to get um, young people involved, um, to get, uh, again, that exchange happening um, of, of talent being able to move relatively free, specific talent for this. Um, and, you know, again, getting involved. As I think there is an opportunity from uh, an investment perspective and doing things like we, in the past, we've done, you know, the, um, the C prize, um, where we picked an, an, an area and it was modeled on the X prize in the US and we picked mm -hmm. an area and we just kind of put out a challenge to the country to say, hey, um, what can you do in, uh, in wearables or what can you do in, um, you, know, um, you know, drone technology or whatever. And, and the community in New Zealand by and large has responded really awesomely. And uh, most recently we did one in clean tech, right? So, so again, this is something that um, we might be thinking about at Callahan to, to, to stimulate through a number of challenges because every time we've done that, it's, it's actually created uh, quite a, well, first of all, quite a lot of interest and then quite a, quite a bit of startup activity, but also it's kind of lifted up the sector a little bit and it's got attention. It's got attention from, from the investment community and, and all of that. So uh, that's something that um, we'd be looking at. And, and again, looking more at um, actually what are the keys, key, pro you know, key problems that we need to solve in, in this world and then combining it with this new technology. There's a, there are a number of projects on the way, for example, that are, that are combining the dynamics of cryptocurrencies with um, you know, emission trading schemes or with um, uh, taking plastic out of the ocean. I mean, there are so many things that you could, and uh, you know, this new technology, uh, there are really interesting concepts like um, you know, autonomous organizations and, and an entirely new way of get lining up behind the common purpose and then achieving that purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, if we get involved in some of those international projects, um, I think it'll, ref uh, it'll, first of all, it'll put New Zealand on the map in terms of the digital asset space, but also it means that we then become part of these global communities and there is um, more sort of knowledge coming back to New Zealand because we are participating. Currently, it feels a lot like we're sort of saying, uh, the whole thing is a scam best if we just don't do anything and we just wait it out and no. yeah we're not going to get a lot of talent that way no. Stefan thank you so much for your uh, it's been fascinating to hear your uh, views and uh, about your history and I'm del I'm really looking forward to actually meeting with you in the flesh on the 28th of February um, at our Trust Traceability and Digital Trade um, Conference so um, it's been a delight and um, I'm looking forward to see you next month.
Take care. <laughs> like us. Thank you very much, Gossip. Uh, really wonderful talking to you. And yeah, I can't wait to uh, talk some more uh, at the conference. It's, it'll be an absolute blast. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs>